0: Hey guys, it's Jackson, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Talk, the podcast. So guys, this week is going to be a little bit different, because I'm not going to be interviewing someone that is on reality TV in front of the camera, but someone that has worked behind the scenes. Um, So a different type of episode, and a different type of person, um, with a completely different um, insight on the world of reality TV, but I think you guys will enjoy it. So um, this week, my special guest is my friend, Vinny Potestivo, who for years, he was a reality TV producer and a huge um, casting director for a wide variety of different reality shows that you guys have known and loved for years. So uh, he worked for um, MTV for many years and he was a producer on shows like The Osborns, um, Newly Led, Nick and Jessica, Punked, etc. He also worked on some of your favorite Bravo shows, um, which really intrigues me because if you know me, I love Bravo. <laughs> um, but he um casted for um, and worked on um shows like Chef Robley and Company, um The Millionaire Matchmaker, and The Real Housewives of New Jersey. So he has a lot of insight onto you know about early um the the I guess they call it like the golden years of Bravo <laughs> um, and some of those shows uh, like that in the early casting of New Jersey. So um, he has a lot to say about all of that, but um, you know, also if you're, I brought him on because I know a lot of people um, are always curious, how do you get on a reality show? How do you um, kind of win the casting directors over and what, what are some tips um that you can do um to kind of get you know make yourself stand out because that's kind of a, a big thing especially in the reality TV world. So anyway, um I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little bit different, but let me know what you guys think and honestly, Vinny is an amazing guy. Um just a little background on on how I know Vinny. Um it's a funny story. So a few years back like five or six years ago now, I think there was this app called Periscope. If I don't know if anyone knows what it is or knows about it or remembers it, but it was kind of like an Instagram live type thing, but it was only live streams. So people would get on and do different live streams, um, celebrities or anyone could honestly, anyone could do it. And he was on there um, and he was talking about reality TV casting and since I'm a reality TV junkie, <laughs> um, I went into his live stream and um, his broadcast and I chatted with him and got to know him. Um, and when I went to New York years ago, I got to meet up with him and we've we've built a great relationship. And he's an amazing. He's such a kind person. Um, he's super talented, super knowledgeable about uh, media and um everything. Like he's an awesome person. So um I will have his social media in the episode description so you guys can go check him out and see what he's up to now because he's he has a few different things in the works and I'll let um him tell you guys about that. But um his links will be in the description. So definitely check him out. Um talk with him. He's he's super sweet and super awesome. Um but anyway I met him through that and um He, I want to thank him, and I talk about it um, directly with him as well, but I want to thank him because he really inspired me to kind of create my own um, platform out there, um, like this podcast. Um, When I met him, and I kind of spoke on it a little bit, but I, when I was in college, part-time, I um, did interviews for a few different reality TV blog sites um, so I would interview different reality stars from different shows similar similar to this, but it was on a blog format. And um, he just told me in the future, you know, he, he always gave me encouragement. Like, you know, you can always like create your own or create your own site or create, uh, create your own platform of some kind. And he really inspired me because I wasn't sure if I could do that. But um, he really he's one of the people that really inspired me. So thank you so much, Vinny. Um, for all of your support, because I would not be doing this without um, the support from him and other people um, that really gave me the encouragement um, and all everyone that has supported me since. Um, honestly, love you all because uh, this is like living out my dream. <laughs> but anyway, enough of my blabbering. Um, without further ado, here is my interview with Vinny Potestivo. I hope you guys enjoy.
1: are you doing oh i'm awesome thank you so much thanks for asking i'm so excited for this congratulations on launching this podcast how exciting
0: thank you thank you oh my gosh it's it's a lot of fun and i'm i i took your advice from years ago um because when i was writing for sites you actually told me you said you know maybe eventually you can do your own thing and and i i took that advice and I decided to start my own thing back in February. So I, I appreciate your, I appreciate your advice.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're so awesome, Jack. Congratulations. I'm so, so proud of you. That's so so awesome to be creating and owning what you're creating. So congrats. You're taking steps that a lot of people haven't yet. It's really
0: awesome. Thank you. Thank you as all um, your advice and all of that. So thank you.
1: Of course.
0: Yes, yes. Basically, my podcast that I've had is I just basically do fun little interviews with different reality stars, um, past and um, present ones. But I wanted to have you on because you have been in this industry for a long time now and you have so much great insight that I think people really need to hear.
1: Yes, but I have to point out this industry hasn't been along for a very long time, so I haven't been around that long. <laughs> right,
0: but but you've been around, like you've been, you've done a lot. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, of course. I don't, I don't deny it. I was there at MTV, you know, I got to work on Real Rules and Real World and Osbournes and Punk. So, yes, no, for sure. I uh, I give credit to Viacom and MTV and uh, in a tremendous way to my TV lineage
0: Yes, yes. Well, um, okay, so I want to start at the very beginning because I've always been so curious. So, how did you get started
1: in television? Ooh, an origin question. I I, yes. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, well, similar to you, growing up, um, I didn't know anyone. Well, did you know people in the industry? I don't think so, right? Um, not not
0: really, no, not until I got I mean,
1: older. Not until you, I mean, we kind of, you, you you started networking before you even got into the industry. Like, we knew each other, I think, before you really even got into this industry, I think. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and si- similar to you, you know, I didn't know a single person in the TV industry. I didn't even know you were supposed to know people in the industry. I, I didn't, sometimes people will say, like, um, you know, oh, I don't know anyone, you know, I, you, you need to get a foot in the door. And I'm like, what? I, I didn't know a single person in the entertainment industry. I didn't understand how anything worked, um, and I still made it happen. So for anyone out there who's listening, you do not need to know people in the industry to make it, in any industry to make it, I think. Um, uh, I got my start in television on, on the Technical side on the digital side. Um, mm-hmm. When I was fifteen, I uh, became an intern at the Staten mm-hmm. Island um, Community Television Network, and I learned how to be a studio engineer. I learned how to record video, and I learned how to manage, you know, media and uh, the call board. And I was sort of trained to have some um, in studio skill set. And, and, and during that process, I was actually taught by someone to on, on how to wire two VCRs together so that I can, you know, play one VCR and then record on the other one. And it, oh, was, that skill wow. set. it was that skill set that I'm pretty sure it got me hired full time you know when it came when I so so and when I, uh let's see so when I was 15 um I started working at Staten Island Community Access Channel um I was a studio engineer recording videos and managing media and sort of being an assistant director um I thought mm-hmm. I was going to be a theater producer I was excited to work on Broadway um in 1998 oh. I started putting out some energy with um. Uh, uh, creatives and producers and casting directors and um, found a great job at Fox News Network um, where I was on a show called Hannity and Combs and which is a bipartisan talk show um, that really sort of sort of had a conversation on both sides of the aisle and I got to be a producer that traveled with the show and well not a produ- I was a, an audience producer who traveled with the show and picked people you know, from America to ask questions um, wow. But it was my experience at Fox News that qualified me to help find and cast the Choose or Lose team at MTV in 1999 and mm. um, for the 2000 elections. And uh, mm. that's where I, I found Gideon Niego and Julia Mejia, who's a councilwoman now in Boston, um, and part of the MTV news group that I hired, uh, Suchin Pak, also came along um, and was able to bring her into the news group. So I, I, I had some really early uh, successes with talent that stood the test of time and stayed on MTV for a very long time. Um, and I got to be there with them. That was the best part of it all, is their success sort of, you know, was mine as well. And I, I love that part of the the collaborative effort of casting and development.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. That is awesome. Now, um, I mean, you grew up um, in New York, right? So, did you go to Broadway shows a lot? Is that kind of where originally you wanted to kind of get into the theater um, element? Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly Mm -hmm. right. I'm a a boy from Staten Island. Um, So, (laughs) coming into the city in the 90s was not something – it didn't look like it does now. You know, Disney – and a couple of mayors really helped clean up times square. I I never in a million years would have thought that I would be working at MTV in the center of times square and I, and I would feel safe. And to be honest, there's no, I mean, I've never felt safer than, than working you know, in times square um, at MTV during the time that I was there. And, and unfortunately I was at MTV um, during nine 11 and I was at MTV mm-hmm. during the big blackout of New York and um, I was there for about a decade. And, uh, Uh, I got to really see uh, the city from an amazing perspective because my office overlooked Times Square. I mean, I had my office window and MTV. I would look out my window. I would see Mr. Peanut, uh, you know, on the Marriott -hmm, Marriott Marquis Hotel waving his hand. If I really looked across the street, apparently somewhere I could see Puffy's office. There was uh, a rumor that Puffy could see because my office was right next to Carson Bailey's. So. They, uh-huh. There was a rumor that Puffy knew which office was Carson's. Mm-hmm. So when Carson's light was on, he would call, and, and, or, or when Carson was in the building, then and, and Puff would come over, and he would frequently, you know, come and walk on TRL. But um, but yeah, I wanted to be a theater producer. I went to Wagner College. Um, I'm an arts administration major. I have a business degree in theater. Um, wow. In October of '98, my senior year in college, I. Started the casting company. I took out an ad in the back of backstage casting mm-hmm. a backstage magazine, which is a, a prominent casting um, Magazine here in New York and I think for the entire you know theatrical and commercial industry for people who aren't represented backstage and and you can also find them backstage com. But I took out an ad in backstage and I said, you know, Vinnie Potestivo casting. I'm looking for actors I'd love to hire you send me your headshots and resumes And and then I was at school. So I put my school address on there and I got in trouble because you're not allowed to start a business on campus. And you're certainly not allowed to ask people to send hundreds, if not, you know, a thousand uh, headshots to the, the, it was like that moment. It's like that moment. um, In the Santa Claus movies where, you know, you see the mail room and you can't believe all this mail is for you. Like I've never seen buckets and buckets of headshots before. Like I did. And, and um, that was the beginning of, of, the casting piece. And I thought I would work on Broadway. Um, I was um, auditioning and I was, um, I, I was putting up sh- uh, off-Broadway off, off productions and I was co-producing projects with alumni from Wagner College. And long story short, I was right place, right time, walking past MTV on Broadway mm-hmm. when um, a casting director asked if I um, would ask a question on camera. Um, to Whitney Houston, actually, because oh. the, Prince of the Prince of Egypt soundtrack just came out. And um, I got to ask what, what it was like recording with Whitney. What, what, I got to ask Whitney what it was like recording with Mariah, you know, to, to have two amazing recording artists. That was a, pr- a pretty awesome moment for me to um, get to ask that question. And I didn't get to ask it. I got cut. Oh. And I never got to make it to air. But the producer said, you know, we liked you so much and you were so fun." we're recording a very Busta Christmas special tomorrow with Busta Rhymes. Do you happen mm-hmm. to have some friends who might want to join this taping? And I said, well, of course you're MTV. I've got friends. All my friends want to be on camera. They're on, are all want to be on talent. And this sounds like a match made in heaven. So I showed up at MTV with some friends mm-hmm. and, um, and that's, you know, <laughs> they, they literally say that's history, but that's history. In fact, 20 years ago, to this month, I was casting the opening number for the Video Music Awards Jamie Foxx was hosting, and oh. I had a cast, um, an opera diva who can interpret pop culture, and I had a cast um, a choir, and I had a cast these dancers, and they were just like, Fig- Vinny, figure it out. So, I mean, I just went back to my school, and I hired our choir, and, and then I, I met oh. a couple of people and found the Gospel Choir Uptown, and I was able to to mix our choirs, and um, I found my diva. I found my opera diva. So it was fun. Um, the beginning, my beginning, you know. And and then, right after that, I got the phone call. Nine 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 is when I started to work at MTV full time. And then, I think I was like the Tom Green show was like the first series that I really had to work on. Tom Green and and the show called TRL, Total Request Live. Um, those were the the main of, of what I did there. And then of course, my job was to work with talent and. Find talent who could host, you know, projects. Mandy Moore, mm-hmm. um, Ashley Simpson. Um, we really tried Jessica Simpson. We tried so hard to get her a hosting gig. She just, you know, reading cue cards. It's a special skill set, I'll tell you. But she was just so <laughs> good at being natural, and she was uh-huh. so good at being herself. And she's and on camera, she was just not what you thought she was. And, and you know, those failed our uh, BJ auditions absolutely turned into a um, huge win for her because she ended up doing newlyweds, you know, on her network. And that, that was the show mm-hmm. that, you know, allowed the world to see her the way she wanted them to see her, not as a comparison to Brittany or Christina, you know, which was, or pink, you know, back in the day, um, those mm-hmm. were, you know, that's, you know, that's, what you were sort of compared to even Mandy Moore was, you know, p- part of that bubble, but um, look at what uh, happened with them, right? How, how each of their talents over the, over the, over time really stood the test of time because, you know, Mandy, um, you know, didn't have the same impact that Brittany or Christina did on the pop charts and in and, 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 and pop culture in early 2000s, but she certainly got us through the pandemic and <laughs> the last few years and there definitely has been a reason why I've been able to connect with my mom and my family um, because of her show, and she's Aww. created something yet again where you know we can all you know connect, connect and and relate to to it. And she did that, and I love that I got to be a a small part of her journey and their journey. Right, but yeah, oh Broadway. God. I wanted uh, Broadway. That's where I went. In fact, the very last show that I cast on. Um, MTV, the very last show I cast on MTV, was um, Legally Blonde, The Search for Elle. That was, the, ironically, my very last project that I got to work on at MTV in oh. 2007, where I met Orfe, who I fell in love with. How could you not fall in love with that, like, Tony, award-winning goddess, just like awesome vocal pop that comes out of her? Um, <laughs> and some awesome friends. So ironically, it took me a very long time to work at MTV to finally get to where I wanted to be, <laughs> which was really, you know, on Broadway. And, and I love it. And, um, and, and, there, and at MTV, I was the guy who also tried to get all those Broadway shows on MTV any way I could, you know, as a guest on TRL or um, maybe one of our shows can go to a taping or, you know, anything that I could do to collaborate to get more more airtime for the arts, especially the theater arts, just because I was so passionate about it.
0: Yes! Oh my gosh, that's that's great. Yeah, I I think it, you know I was a dancer um, growing up, so I'm de- I definitely understand the whole theater world. So I get where your
1: love of that comes from. So that's awesome. Oh, and I cry. I the overtures, I cry, and I cry Aww. during intermission, and I just get, I get those feelings of like you know. Like what the actors are doing right now backstage. Oh, I know this is a professional shindig. Blah blah blah. Who cares? You know they're still having fun. You know they're still laughing mm-hmm. and and the energy and the spirit that it takes to to be that vulnerable and and coordinated and in unison. I I love that part. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. Now after MTV.
1: Where did you go after that? What did, what was your next yeah. big move? Um, and I started my agency. I started a VPE um, in 2007. Um, there was a couple of projects that I tried to get on MTV that um, I couldn't get the network to get excited about, and other networks got them. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Project Runway really hurt that we didn't. that MTV didn't get Project Runway. I, I fought really hard to, to try to bring that to the network, and I couldn't get the executives on that one. Um, that Ashley Simpson's show got canceled because of what happened on SNL, pretty much. And I needed to go out and find a new person to do a show on, and I did. found an, I found an amazing artist. She was actually transitioning as, from being a, a Christian contemporary singer to a pop star. and... She was dating Travy McCoy back in the day. So I thought she was going to be a star. And MTV's like, you know, past. There's no no star factor there. Well, that person turned out to be Katie Perry, and she did pretty well.
0: Right. <laughs> and and, and,
1: ben, right? and Benji and Benji and Joel from Good Charlotte, they were our rock hosts for years. In fact, you know, the reason why I so so a little known fact is um and Benji and Joel's in Good Charlotte's very first video, they were on the same label as Mandy Moore. So Mandy was, was actually like the quote unquote love interest or the you know, the female that they would always, you know, there's like one female in the video or whatever. So she was the female in, um, she had the lead, the female lead in their music video. So when, when I went to go see the recording of their video and and I saw her in, in action, it was like it's all nice little sort of like a family moment that, that, that happened there, um, And that happens a lot, I think, you know, um, uh, those family moments and talent and creative. And by family moments, I mean where people come together who treat each other with the respect of a brother or sister, a mother, a family member, and they get vulnerable and they make something that, that, that you talk about, that you want to talk about, that you want to share, that you want to that we're still talking about. 20 years later, we're even more than that. So um, Mm -hmm. I I, I love that piece of it. Um, But I was so lucky to work with the talent that I worked with at MTV. In 2007, I left and started my agency. And then um, I started, I found uh, Housewives of New Jersey and a bunch of Millionaire Matchmaker and Chef Robley & Co., Pregnant in Heels, and a bunch of Mm -hmm. shows on Bravo. Um, I started working immediately on... Celebrity nightmares decoded and celebrity real estate hunters, and anything that sort of had talent that was like celebrity talent that needed to be in a reality setting. That was sort of like my forte and calling. Um, Bravo certainly um, expanded my Rolodex when um, the shows that I worked on with them, you know went on to be huge successes and that really opened the door for me to start working with, um, coaches and entrepreneurs and business owners and, and founders of brands that were running their companies. Um, it really helped me working with Bravo work with the business owner more so than the brand owner, which is what I was used to working with, um, on the MTV side, the brand owner being a talent brand, you know, um, mm-hmm. how, so so I had the brand experience, brand building experience working at MTV for 10 years, and then, again, the next 10 years at Bravo and, and NBC and any networks, those cable networks that I, I was able to work closely with. And um, about four years ago, I pivoted as the screens, as all these tiny little screens popped into our worlds.
0: You know, right.
1: Um and, and less and less eyeballs were falling on TV and more and more culture was coming from videos that were being shared on, on, on YouTube as opposed to, you know, shows that were airing on a cable network. Um, I realized that people really care about the content that their favorite businesses are creating, that their favorite business owners are creating. They care about the content when they know that their favorite brand is paying for content. And they're trying to make a, a, a statement. They're trying to make purpose. They're trying to create movement. They want you to be part of the movement as opposed to you know, television, which is a very passive relationship. I don't want you to do anything. I don't even want you to change the channel when you're watching. Mm-hmm. I don't even want you to fast forward on TV because I need you to watch the commercials because that's what's paying for the bills. You know, It's a very passive um, relationship co- uh, between content and, and, and the viewer on television. With this new... World of media that we have. It's you know, I mean, I talk about twenty years ago when I wanted to go live, I would have to go to TRL Studios at three thirty in Times Square. You know, now I want to go, right. live, go live on my iPhone. You know, that's just so cool to think about how how technology has really changed. You know, how the tools have changed to how we how how we share. And and I followed that and I saw that. People were spending money on content, and I saw that I can help distribute it, and I can help amplify it. And um, um, I became um, an advisor on a cable network called Bespoke TV, which is distributed um, in markets on, here in the States on Cox and Comcast, um, also on OTT networks and PlayStation. Uh, it's uh, B-S-P-O-K-E-T-V.com, and it's a, mo- a millennial network for really for for the female millennial, I'm sorry, it's, it's, not a millennial network. I'm not, such a liar. It's a Gen Z network <laughs> for the female Gen Z. And it's a beauty, fashion, lifestyle uh, platform really for them to, um, mm-hmm. to connect and to relate and to create. And I'm excited to be a part of that. So um, me leaving MTV was, you know, my way of being able to continue doing what I was doing at MTV, which was talent development. And I went on to do that for networks and production companies and businesses. Um, and I went on to build departments for each of, not for each of those, but for some of those clients that wanted full-scale departments um, internally. know, um, I had that sort of corporate training to be able to um, set that infrastructure up. So so just getting people set with their creativity, and, and my podcast is called I Have a Podcast, and I focus yes, solely I on it. sustainable creativity. Like I only talk about your process. Um, we're sitting down next week with Mandy Moore, and I can't wait to find out like how do you prepare to cry all day long on set, and like or all people, how do you take on, how do you manage the emotional process of creating on camera, and then create off camera. And then write songs and and still be selling mm-hmm. shows and still be selling content like whew, it's got me tired just thinking about it, and I know she digs <laughs> deep right like many more she digs deep like she's she's showing up, she's gonna make sure you're showing up, you know and uh, mm-hmm. and she's really good at that um she's really great at that actually it's it's been a it's been a, a blessing and a gift to get to watch her talent developed the way that it, it's developed, and and to see everyone receive it the way that they are receiving it too, it's been super cool. Yes, it's super cool. yes,
0: and I love your um, podcast name. I I like it.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, I um, I mean, I, and it's funny because it is you know, a lot, people say it. <laughs> like people literally they, all they, they say oh yeah I'm so so and I have a podcast and I thought to myself right? You know, <laughs> podcasters are a certain breed of people we we have to coordinate we have to reach out we have to expand our boundaries we have to you know be within our boundaries we have to stay in our lane we also need the fortitude to create our own id and then and then we get on a on a on a recording between behind two microphones between two or however many people, and we yet again collaborate and create something new. And we have no clue what will be recorded or what will be captured. And we know for a fact that people are listening and people will take action. Like they will hear our words and they will bring those words into their life. And like that's pff, so powerful. That's so. Like, that's what a responsibility to have as a podcaster. So, so I thought to myself, if I just knew who who had a podcast, if I said, hi, I'm Vinny, I have a podcast, and you knew out of the gate, then, like, that would be a nice personality trait to have. <laughs> so, right. Um, I like that. Uh, so, hence, hence yeah. the name. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Now, because a lot of the people that listen um, to this podcast, they love reality TV, so I wanted to get kind of into um, some of your work, but also just advice in general for people that um, are trying to get into um, television or applying for shows and, you know, all of that good stuff. But (laughs) um, so you did, you did cast uh, Millionaire Matchmaker, right? So how was that? um, Because I'm sure that involved a lot of different people, right? And it didn't just involve... You know the main cast. I mean, there was people every week, different people that were going to be on the show. The millionaires, and then the
1: um, daters that were going to be on the show. So the how daters, was that? The single people, the uh, the the mentors or the experts that were being brought in. These are um, this, it, it's those shows are so fun to work on um because I have the rolodex, I had the relationship experts, I knew. I mean, it was my job here in New York to know talent and to cast talent. So I know how to Mm -hmm. get in touch with massive groups of people looking to get on camera. Now, millionaire matchmaker is not a show where you want to find people who are looking to get on camera. You actually are looking Mm -hmm. for people who are looking. It's not about looking for love that show. That show is more about like looking for a date, looking for a connection, looking for an initial spark. Um, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't something that, um, it, it wasn't something that, uh, was done when the cameras, you know, weren't rolling to the scale that it was done. So, um, Patty didn't have, Patty saying it doesn't, doesn't have the the staff, the internal staff to run that agency the way that the show looks like. Um, those people were hired when, you know, when production was, you know, in sling. So it was fun. It was awesome to get to cast those people. Um, my favorite season, New York, I killed, it. I, I have to be honest, I, had, I, I killed the traditional casting rules on Millionaire Matchmaker when they came to New York. Because up mm-hmm. until New York, you really never saw as many female millionaires. It was always the male was the millionaire. The fee, there was always 50 females that he could pick from. And I said, you're coming to New York. There's no way you can't represent the strength of the woman here in New York City. By the way. And, and also, you've got to let me have like at least five different types of women in here because I'm not just going to put the New York City fashionista, beautiful, bravo, model-esque woman, you know, on the show. And by the way, I did do that. And now she's a housewife, Leah McSweeney, right? Leah McSweeney. Oh, my God. And Millionaire crazy. Matchmaker. More than ten years ago, and, and here she is. So, like that's, that's an interesting example. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to, to cast the full body you know woman also, and and I, I didn't want the episode to be about her body. And the Bravo producers were so into what where I was going with character development and casting. They were so supportive with developing this new sort of storytelling framework specifically in that show, around the female character. And it was just about then where Housewives started to take a right turn and the tone on Housewives changed. And I'm not going to say that things, things didn't change, but what the show focused on changed. And I think that that's where Bravo really stepped up and saved the network from solely being a Housewives network and saved it to being this sort of life, truly lifestyle for all females um, of all races, of all price points, of all gender identifications, of all, you know, they've really done, you know, a great job at it. And, and also they're, <laughs> they're part of NBC, they're part of a publicly traded company. Like that's not easy to get. <laughs> uh, change. I, I give Andy Cohen such huge amounts of credit and he's an amazing mentor and boss and i'm so honored to have gotten to work with him so closely for so many years but like he really he, moved, he made he moved mountains over there and um and and i'm so lucky to work with the nbc team now um that's still there rod is overseeing um you know all the nbc universal unscripted um and he was my boss at MTV for ten years. Directly, he and I started the talent development department at MTV together. It was the two of us. I was his assistant. Um, I, he was the brilliant casting director. I was the person taking the tapes, editing them, down, making sure the one sheets were all perfect. You know, impressive pictures looked great. Everyone was going to look at this piece of paper or watch this video and say, "This is the person." And I, I got that. I got that from him, and I learned that from him. So. Mm-hmm. To get to work on those projects, you know, you have to be impressive. You have to stand out. It's not easy to stand out, especially when everyone's telling you just be yourself. And you're like, Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, right. that's hard. by the way, if people if people ever ask you to, you know, to, to to be to be yourself, um, I always say like it's it's sort of like um there's there's sort of two ways to go about it. You can say yes three times and, and why three times. If if you're ever really trying to get to a point in an audition tape where you're trying to figure out maybe a deeper sense of strategy or a deeper sense of self or, or a unique qualifier that makes you stand out, ask yourself why three times. But start from a place of passion and sincerity. So I love podcasting. That's my, mm-hmm. where I'm starting off. Now I'll say, why? And I'll say, because I like I like talking to people and I actually am good at it and I have a good role with for that. And, but more importantly, I'm good at getting stuff out of people that can help other people. Okay. So why? And this is my second why. Well, because I know there's a need, I know there's a need for it. And I also know that I can edit these pieces together in a way that's entertaining for people to understand and informative. And I can share some of the behind the scenes magic with them in a podcast. And I'll ask one more time. Why? Excuse me. And the third why I'm sort of prone to say the reason why I want to do that is because um, if I want to make change in people's careers or with their business trajectories or brand trajectories, I know that if I speak up now, I can literally plant a seed in their head and when that or heart and when that moment is right, it will develop. And Jackson, like you're such living proof. That you say so many, so long ago, did we have this conversation where, you know, we, we talked about owning your own content and creating, you know, your own opportunities. And like, here you are with this podcast, killing it. I'm so proud of you. Oh, um, because you. there's so many people who are, hopefully, there are people who are listening to this who, you know, I don't want to say hopefully. I'll say, I know there are people listening to this who want to have a podcast. And maybe they're questioning to themselves, you know. Well should I? Or is it too mm-hmm. late or is do we really need another one? And I would say, Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right, because pod, podcasts, podcasts, you know, um, it's weird. Right now, we're so it's so it's so early in the podcast world. Podcasts feel like they're gonna they're there forever because it's been such a short amount of time that podcasts are there. It's so like you know, the last ten years of podcasts are still on Apple Podcasts, and it's pretty hard to take a podcast down. So it feels like they're going to be around forever. But it doesn't matter when there's so hundreds of millions more of terabytes and gazillion gigabytes, whatever that word is, uh, zigabytes of data and and videos and and audio files that are going to dwarf the content that we see. And um, I don't know. I just think that podcast has more longevity than a reality television show, more longevity than any piece of intellectual property that I'm working on because it has the most malleability, malleability to turn into a membership. You know, right. um, it could be a membership group. It could be um, a, a speaking tour. It can be, there's just so, it could be an NFT. <laughs> you know, there's just so many things now that, that, um, that podcasts are, sort of the um, springboard to and the jumping off point to, And uh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah, you're right. Um, Now, another show that you casted, obviously, so you did cast um, Real Hostiles in New Jersey. So tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about that, especially in the early days of casting it and stuff. And now it's a huge, I mean, you know, especially within the past few years, I think, you know, there's been so many people love the show and the, you know, the people on it. So how was it casting it at the very beginning?
1: Oh, so gigantic. I mean, we would rent, you know, <laughs> it's funny to think of the process. We would rent zip cars. And we would go to North Bergen. And we'd go up to New Jersey. We'd literally hit bakeries. We would hit um, nail salons, any sort of boutique store. Um, uh, if there was a gardening service, we, you know, we, we really uh, focused on any of the service industry that was focused on the elite, that we were working directly with, you know, the type of clientele that we were looking for. Um, but I'll tell you what, the, the best part of Casting Housewives of New Jersey is you eat so well, I would come back. I mean, I would show up with like two bottles of wine, which was sort of like a customary thing for me on that show to do because I want to have a little bubbly, give me a tour of your house. So I'm going to ask you, it's like 73 questions. am like, why, 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 why? How, 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 where, 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 you know? I want to know everything about what you got and I want to know why you have so much and what what's important to you and what's not. And I'm, I'm learning character and I'm learning about your history at the same time while still seeing lots of like, you know, Real size eye candy and I'm looking at flashy furniture and wardrobe and jewelry and but I'm also coming back with like the best big ZD I'm coming back with trays and trays of food uh, these women wow. they, they don't necessarily cook in their own pigeons but they're quick to cater so I was very well fed <laughs> <laughs> on, that. Yes. Um, on that and I'm a boy from Staten Island I bring them up a lot but like my Italian heritage is a big part of how I approach casting that show, um, respectfully working, even, even casting Teresa's cousin, you know, even, even extending the cast and, um, finding additional cast members and Melissa in subsequent seasons, you know, um, it was, it's a very respectful dance. So, um, uh, uh, a lot of it is, you know, who was already connected naturally to the women and, um, and then it really is chemistry and it's chemistry between the ladies and it's chemistry between the cast and the, and the crew and the crew and the network. And, you know, it's all it's all um, so, so many moving pieces. Um, but I can't believe Jersey. I, it's crazy to think that Jersey that, that Housewives of New Jersey is still like, I, it's so awesome that that show is around. My um, I think back to my time at MTV right now, my two legacy shows on MTV are um, Wild and Out. Um and the challenge. Um, I, I brought TJ into the challenge franchise and got to work really oh. closely on the challenge back in the day, and uh and and, and I, I worked really close with Nick Cannon. I got him from from Nickelodeon to MTV and and this big a, a big fan of Keeping Wild and Out on MTV to um, so him and DJ d rec and that whole crew. Uh, all, all of his whole team is from the same team actually. He's such a loyal, awesome person that the way he he, he works on. I just really like McCannon. I like the way he. I like his sense of family. It's nice. It's nice when you, you meet people in this industry who fight for you, right. and they win too, because they because they do it. They do it. They do it. You know, um, with class and also from the from heart with heart. So I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But those are those are fun shows. Casting casting those Bravo. You know what was hard? Show I cast a show on Bravo. I don't know. I did a show on Bravo called "Untying the Knot," which was about people who were like in the process of getting divorced and they need to go through their stuff and get a settlement. And that that was a tough show. Um, oh because yeah, because sometimes I, remember, I think yeah, eh, yeah. Uh, um, oh gosh, um,
0: was it her name? Vicky? Um, she was a lawyer.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I like um, her. I remember her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember her. I like um, her. Yeah, she was she was wonderful. Um, but mm-hmm. just working on that type of show where you're trying to find that type of couple that's mm-hmm. in a stressful situation. That's a pretty, you know, I'm a pretty empathetic person. Like that, I take on maybe empathetic isn't the right word. I'm a pretty um uh, I don't know. <laughs> Absorbed. I, I I take on a lot of energy. Yeah, I'm creating, but I do take on a lot of energy. Um. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. I
0: can imagine that would be a difficult show to cast because you're you know you're dealing with a very uh tough situation. So yeah. I, I, re-
1: I, think I, I remember yeah. casting that show, and then simultaneously I was casting a show for Lifetime um that examined a couple that had gotten married and then when they got married they decided they weren't gonna have children and now that they are married, one of them or both of them are, are figuring out if they want to have children. And um there's actually a European format. Uh and um and in the series this couple is given um a newborn baby, a toddler, an infant, and a teenager, um, all under the direction of the experts and with, and with the with children's families nearby. Um, and so this is on the opposite side, the opposite spectrum of um, Divorce Diva, where I'm, I'm looking for couples that are in this tumultuous time. Now I'm looking for couples that may or may not want to have a child. And the strangest thing happens is... You have to be careful about this in casting, especially on those types of shows, is that when you start talking about this topic, even when I hang up the phone, I know they're going to continue talking about it. And I I have to ask certain questions to get story and vulnerability and understand what they're going to be like on camera for the producer. I also can't ask certain questions because I know if I do, it's going to trigger a deeper conversation and then action is going to happen. And if that action happens and we're not recording then like my casting session turned into, was really a therapy session. And where I'm going with this is, you know, on that specific project, I probably, you know, had three or four couples end up getting pregnant before we could even do the show about, hey, do you want to maybe have a kid or not? <laughs> they were just, you know, the juices were flowing. So it's fun. You know, when, when you're, you're you're meeting real people who are doing big things in their life, And their life is moving. And sometimes their life moves faster than your production schedule. And that happens. So weddings happen, divorces happen, pregnancies happen, you know, life happens. And um, these shows are interesting, the reality shows that I got to work on. And and I certainly worked on reality shows in the 20 years that, that, that focused on niche Characters, you know, it was really about people who it was about people who were not represented on television yet. So I really got to go places and and bring people into the public eye that um, you know otherwise wouldn't be there. And again, (laughs) like I'm a boy from Stan, I never traveled. I didn't go anywhere. You know, I, I didn't even we didn't go to the city. It wasn't safe. There was like. It was scary the city in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? No way. I'm not going to the city <laughs> in the nineties. Not until Disney got there and then it got nice.
0: <laughs> right. And now you're there, you're still living there. Are you still in Brooklyn?
1: I am. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in Williamsburg. So I'm I'm not too far from the city, but I'm just far enough that I have a beautiful backyard and I'm right by a park so my two little dogs can go out and It's a really fun, creative community. A lot of film creators and editors and podcasters and tons of creative people. So I'm super stimulated here by art, as opposed to in New York, it's predominantly finance. Fashion Mm -hmm. is no longer in Midtown. Fashion is all downtown, and most fashion definitely is working from home. So New York has a strong finance feel to it now, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for Broadway to open. That's when we're going to start getting more creative.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's so exciting.
1: Um, I don't even know. I I don't even know what my first Broadway ticket will be, but I have to think about that because it's going to come soon. I'll think about that.
0: Right. I heard Chicago. I mean, maybe I heard Chicago was opening um, or coming back. That was the one thing I've heard, but I haven't heard too much about Others, but um, I mean, I like have they announced a cast for Chicago? I don't think so. I've just seen like small things on. They were just talking about it, but I don't know.
1: Well, I like that. I do. I do appreciate that musical.
0: Yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, now, okay, so a lot of people, obviously, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot over the years. A lot of people. Um, when they hear, like, you know, they want to be on TV or they just want to be on a reality show and um, <clears throat> they kind of just think, you know, doing it would be easy or fun or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or they they, they think they're – everyone thinks they're perfect for TV. But what would you say is, like, what kind of qualities do you have to have to be on reality TV? I mean, I guess it depends on the show, but
1: yeah, – um. You know, first off, I do think that everyone is perfect for television. And because we're perfect the way we're made. Whether or not mm-hmm. we have a big audience <laughs> it is a different question. But do we all have a place on television? I really do believe so. I really I think the answer is yes. And I, I can't I can't imagine being proven wrong um one way or the other because we're all made so uniquely perfect and even in our um even in our worst shape, we're still, you know, uniquely how um, we are. So I do want to encourage people to get on TV. Um, mm-hmm. People who tend to make great contestants, people who make good contestants, against strong strategy. Um, you know, you have a strong point of view. Like, like uh, I, I've said I'm Vinny Staten Island a couple of times, so maybe it, people will think this might think. Oh, Vinny, he, he's Italian from New York, and he probably thinks XYZ about certain things, and he probably thinks, you know, ABC about those other things. And, and you can start to piece together, you know, um, what I might say next about something based on on, on where I've come from and where, I, where I'm sharing with you, you know, is important as, like, where, where my home base is. So, Right. I think that I think that having a strong point of view. I think that having a strong strategy. Those are two big, big, big content pieces of uh, of, of how people get cast. Um, if you're ever making a video, can I offer up a little bit of advice? If you're ever if you're out there making a casting video, and yeah. you are and you don't get a response from the casting director, and it's a show that you really want to be on. Um, and they say, thank you so much. We'll keep in touch with you. You're not right for this year, but maybe next year, which by the way, you have to keep in mind that there are dozens of people who are already approved to be on these reality shows that weren't cast just because there isn't enough people to cast. So we've been casting for these shows for 20 years or so. So there's a good long number of people who are already sort of reserved spots in many, many shows. So you come along and you to the scene. You apply for a show, say it's Big Brother. Um, say it's Big Brother. What I was going to say, if you're making casting tape and it's not successful, and you don't know why, what's up? Mm-hmm. Share it with a friend or a family member. Don't mm-hmm. not not a coworker and not a not not a. It's just not a. I just I would say not a coworker. Share it with a friend that you don't work with or a family member it's okay if you work with them and what you're asking them isn't what are you doing wrong but i would ask them what don't you see here in this tape when you think of me when you know me so when you watch this tape what isn't coming across what what if the person who was watching this didn't know me what aren't they going to know about me unless I tell them or show them? Um, because in casting, we know what we see. We don't know what we don't see, but we also know what's missing. Meaning, I don't know the piece that you're cutting out, but I do know if you've cut out um, talking about your personal life or if you've cut Cut out talking about strategy for the game or something like that, and I would imagine because we stress how important it is, especially those two topics in an audition tape um, is strategy and your unique sense of self, right? Um, to express those two things as it relates to the you know the project at hand, so. Um, Just a little bit of advice, you know, if you're out there making tapes, sending them in for Amazing Race or Big Brother, Survivor, any of those awesome game shows that are out there. And you're not getting the win and you're not getting the chance that you want. Share it with a friend or a family member. The reason why I say don't share it with a peer, um, there's a lot of different reasons why, but ultimately those people have different interests. And even if they're like some of your best friends, they have, different interests and there are some competitive things that pop up that I, I'd like to sort of remove from that conversation. But, but, um, you'd be amazed at how many people say, Oh, I never thought to share it with a friend or a family member like that. I just made it and I sent it in and I'm like, wait, are you an expert? You know, videographer, biographer, <laughs> producer, because like, right. maybe, maybe what you see isn't what, Maybe what you see in this tape that reflects you isn't what someone else is watching it who doesn't know the things you know, what's seen. and That's important. It's important to point that out. That's, and that's what helps you be you. That's what helps you find being yourself is that process, asking the many people near you, well, what's missing in this tape? You know, And, that, and that's it's actually kind of uncomfortable <laughs> because you're being very vulnerable. Um, but it's super awesome for the relationship and it always it always creates a really cool dialogue between you and the person that um you've trusted to share this tape with. Yes, I like that
0: that's good advice um, now, my last question for you that um I'm curious about so your' have you over especially over the past year? Um, ha- is there any reality shows out there that you're currently into that you really like, that, uh, or a reality show that you've always loved and you continue to watch whenever it's on?
1: I think that I've seen every single version of Below Deck that you can imagine. Um, really? Okay. I'm upset. That's it's it's the strangest thing, but I can watch. I can watch. <clears throat> Uh, yacht life, I can watch uh I like I below deck Mediterranean, uh below deck sailing yacht. Like I I um but I it's it, i love the, the visuality of it. I love the food piece to it. Um I think it's funny that I, I love thinking about um, the casting director who has to go around and cast that show and ask people to pay cash to come on board and do all the things that they do. I just think that that's a hysterical job, and I, I think Matt. If I, if I know who it is, I think it's a guy named Matt Solomon. I know um, he's Matt. A brilliant casting director. And, oh, do Matt. you? He's a brilliant casting director, and I got I got to meet him when he was. Um, Probably the same age age as you, to be honest. Uh, We met, uh, I actually have awesome tape of him. He's so so inspirational, what he did. And I could have told you back then that one day he would be like the king of casting. Because he just, he had such an eye for talent. And he reached out to me with an idea that he and and his mom and his family wanted to be a part of. And um, he was just a pro. He's a pro. (laughs) From the womb. He was a pro. So like it's just cool to think of people growing up watching TV, reality TV, knowing that they want to produce it and growing, knowing they want to cast it and they grow up and they become casting directors and producers or podcasters and they get to interview, you know, all of these people. And isn't it cool to think like, and you and me and David Yontef, you know, we have something in common. We're all podcasters, except only one of us was actually on Millionaire Matchmaker years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Luckily, that Luckily, that wasn't me. But, um, but, uh, uh, oh gosh, I just couldn't imagine opening up the way that I'd ask people to open up. I would. I don't think I could have dated on TV. I'm just, I'm, that's difficult. Yeah, I can't even imagine. That's just like the one um, thing I don't know if. I, yeah, I don't know if I. Yeah, I, I never. No, this is not my thing. <laughs> but everything else, all other fun game shows and stuff like that. Sure, that sounds fun, but. Dating on TV sounds like a lot.
0: Yes, no, it is. And that's, you know, you really have to be vulnerable. So I give it up to anyone that wants to show their life on TV in general because it's difficult. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. I've also loved these niche reality gaming shows that Netflix came out with. I thought that's pretty cool. For the longest time, I tried to do the glass blowing. Something in glass blowing, something in gardening, um, and I thought uh, it's pretty cool that that Netflix was uh, the, the streamers have been able to accomplish some of the things that I wish you know we could have done in cable, and um, I enjoy watching those and so much so that for my birthday, my boyfriend got me a four foot Tyrannosaurus topiary oh. in my backyard, literally like Ed- Edward Scissorhands looking. Tyrannosaurus Rex hanging out in my backyard just because I like <laughs> the gardening shows on Netflix so much. But um, uh-huh. they're magical and they're whimsical and those people are so talented. And even the dog grooming shows, I like, I like process. I like something right. like process. I like, I like process more than the story. I like the cooking and the yachting and the, the pulling up and the pull, porting and the not you know, pull, decking and all that stuff. I like, I like the action piece. Of all that mm-hmm. my boyfriend loves The Housewives and can watch Housewives and Story, and he fills me in. Um, but I kind of get to the point where I'm like, I don't need to know the story because I know what's going to happen. I can just, you know. And I'm not always <laughs> right, but you can you can hear the tone, you know where you know where it goes. I got good instincts. Right.
0: right now, just curious, do you watch Leah at all because you you
1: know her and um, to see what how she's been doing on New York. New York, yes, and I knew, I know Tinsley very, very well um, as well, yeah. so to watch, Tins, T- to watch Tinsley leave and to watch Leah come in, their relationship was fun, and I got to hang out with them off-camera a bunch when they were shooting uh, the first season, I guess the last season that they were shooting. Um, I love what Leah is doing on that show. She's so badass. She's so cool. She is. I show. love her she hasn't changed a single minute. She hasn't changed a bit too, but that's what I mean. Like she has a strong point of view. You know where she's coming from, you know what she's been through and you know how that informs her decision, you know? And and mm-hmm. that's, that's the point of view that I'm referring to um, that allows, allows for great reality character because there's, there's something predictable about them. And then yet you, there's that unpredictable part that you you know you know what the answer is going to be, but you don't know how they're going to deliver it. You know, I like that mm-hmm. part. Yes, I love that. Oh uh, well, thank you so much for doing this, Vinny. I really appreciate it. It was such an honor. Oh my gosh, you, Jack, you're the best, and I'm so proud of you again for launching oh, this thank podcast. You. You did it thank me. you. Before me, I can't like I'm so happy for you. Like my heart is so full for you. And if there's anyone listening to this who wants to launch a podcast or is looking to have a reality television show or perhaps launch a YouTube channel, like create content, create video and create media, create intellectual property IP that you own, that you can license one day instead of waiting to sell an idea to a network that you will never own again. And um, if anyone who's listening to this needs help, Getting that IP set up, launching a podcast, organizing an audience—please reach out. I'd love to help out any way I can, um, and I, and I do. <laughs> I show up, so don't be afraid to reach out. And I appreciate anyone listening to this.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I I love your your enthusiasm and everything. So thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you, buddy.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to my interview with Vinny Podestivo. I hope you guys enjoyed it, um, especially because it was something a little bit different than normal. But let me know what you guys think about it. And um, definitely reach out to Vinny on social media. I'll have all of his links in the episode description. But again, thank you guys so, so much for all of the love and support. Um, If you want more Reality Talk, please follow our Instagram. It's at Reality Talk Podcast. Or you can follow my personal social media. It's at JacksonSeth.com. 35 on Instagram and Twitter, but thank you guys. And I'll see you all next week.